Welcome to the Round 19 Supercoach Coach Podcast. My name is Marcus, and this week with FB Donkey, welcome back. G'day, mate. Good to hear you all. Just filling in for CJ from last week. Boys did a great job. <laughs> I don't know how many people would have realized that, but uh, yes, it was a great intro. <laughs> from him, good Easter egg. How have you been scoring the last couple of weeks? Been a couple of weeks since we've talked to you. Uh, really well, man. I had a great week last week. Uh, I think 150 points or so up on you, which was good. Moved up to about 2000. And then, um, this week I was like looking pretty poor for the first Friday and Saturday. And then Sunday had a pretty good Sunday and managed to move up the rankings about a hundred spots with a 24, 29. So sitting just outside the top 2000 and pretty happy with that at the moment, considering like uh, there's a pretty slow start to the year. So things have been doing all right. Although I haven't been able to see a lot of football in the last couple of weeks because I have been off grid. At least your team's been scoring well under that low maintenance mode, which is good. Uh, yeah, you did put a bit of space between the two of us. I was hoping for a bigger clawback this week, but ended up being only five points. Uh, I'll still take the win for the week. 24-34 is my score. I'm sitting just outside the top 3,000 and Hot on your tails, but I suppose in general, just happy that our super coach coach community seems to be finishing with a wet sail. I think across I think, the board um, in our groups. I think hot on my tails is a bit of an overstatement, but yeah, it is good to see um, lots of people in this group doing well. <laughs> I cannot wait to, to reclaim the mantle. Uh, anyway, um, let's go around our super coach coach groups and uh, call out some of our top scorers as we do each week. Top scorer in our Supercoach Coach Patreons group is Andrew's team, Fig Jams, scoring 26.38. Huge. That's a top 100 rank for the round. So congratulations to Andrew's team. And in our Supercoach Coach group, the main one, James's team, the Slippery Gypsies, scoring 26.51, 55th highest score for the round so it's a couple of massive scores there I, I would have thought that that'd be closer to the win it is very close to the win already but huge scores dacos owners laughing yeah it was a it was the difference this week if you had bond and dacos and laird that was just the difference maker this week in terms of our overall leaders cheering on tyler's shep screamers in at 10th and in at eighth jimmy's hungry heracross so some contention for some uh, a cash finish there. We'll be cheering both those gents on. Good to see him keeping it up. Yeah, top 10 is striking distance. I like that. All right, this week, there's not a heap of big topics. Like the last few weeks, we've been getting a little bit quieter on trades, but, you know, there's been a key injury or a suspension or whatever else. But this week, we're in a situation where most of us are still conserving trades. Those who have trades up their sleeve, mostly thinking about leagues. So we have a random assortment of questions this week, no key theme. But before we get into some specific questions, just wanted to call out a couple of rookies. So anybody who was covering with Jai Cully on Noah Cumberland got a 90-plus score with their rookies. Crazy. Cumberland, mid-forward, taking that ever-rotating slot, which uh, Judson Clark had for a little bit, and then Rioli had for a little bit, and 
Cumberland scored 100. Definitely hit the scoreboard yeah. a lot. Two weeks in a row, he's had at least five scoring shots. Seemed like he was going to get them across the line as well, but didn't quite in the end. And, and he's probably done enough over the last two weeks, you'd think, to hold his spot for at least, at least the next month, even though that is a bit of a rotating position at the Tigers. Jai Cully for 100,000 or 102,000 mid-forward. Very impressive on debut. Got the tackles that he'd been doing in the waffle. So you'd think that he'd get a few more games as well. And with that flexibility, both of them are pretty good targets, I think, if you're looking to do a downgrade, if anyone else is out there with enough trades to be doing that. Between the two, who would you pick? Cumberland was more impressive, but I think I had no guts as to take Cully. It's just that little bit of extra money at this time of year can come in quite handy. And uh, surely West Coast just give him some games on the run home. And the fact that he's tackling should put a good basement on his score. Yeah. Don't know what the finish was, but there was one stage where he had like 10 disposals and 10 tackles <laughs> wow. when I was watching the game. So just bananas. And you're right, that, that basement to the scoring that many tackles can give you is generally a, a good recipe for bench rookie cover. So I'd take him over Cumberland as well. You are unlikely to need to rotate on the 100. And if you do, you're, you're pretty reticent to take true premiums off field at this stage. It's more just wanting to get somebody who's probably going to be a little bit more consistent, which Cully potentially provides with uh, the position that he plays in the midfield rather than being more reliant on goals. I think it's a, a lot about getting games as well at the moment. I, th- I know a lot of our benches have been decimated from Rioli and Clark and others. Uh, Rosas getting injured, like Owens on my bench, there's not much people actually getting games. So um, having a bench player that will actually play is pretty high priority. And interesting, Marcus, that both of us have got a premium on the bench and we were outscored by teams that just went for a rookie. Yeah, a bit frustrating, but yes, nice to be joining that club. Uh, I fought it for a little bit, but made the decision to pick with my heart rather than my head and brought in Tom Hawkins. Uh, this is the t- point of the season where it's easier to bet on players that you like. You don't really have to risk them for a very long period. So hoping he has a good five-round patch with three games at GMHBO Stadium. How many playing players did you have on your bench this week, Mark? Playing players on my bench, I had zero. Yeah, same as me. <laughs> I had Rich being covered by Ware and Oliver being covered by Jackson. And then I also had to trade out McInerney to avoid a donut. So yeah, I had three premiums out this week. Hopefully Rich and Oliver are back this week. And this would be my first week since round three that I wouldn't have had an injured premium on the bench. So I'm, I'm really hoping I can do that just for one week for the year. It'd be nice. <laughs> All right, let's get to some questions. This one's from Peter Holmes. He's looking for a decent ruck and is asking between Todd Goldstein and Sean Darcy. And we also had a question from Chris Morris. Thoughts on Marshall with Ryder now out injured. Are there any other rucks that you'd throw in there? I don't think so. I think the Goldstein for mine is the pick of all the rucks. Five round average of 106. Jerry's out. Uh, I think for the rest of the season, is that right? So he should be number one ruck. Uh, I think he's had 135 on the weekend, which was awesome. North just playing that little bit better. And yeah, I just think that with the mid forward flexibility, considering a lot of us are going to have English Cameron Jackson types in our team, I think that, yeah, Goldstein is the pick of the rucks this week. I guess that some people 
would not have wits as well. And wits is only 529. So pretty similar price. May even Max Gorn's only 550. So I don't know whether they need to be in that conversation as well. What do you think out of Goldstein, Darcy, Marshall? Probably lean toward Darcy. I think just has the highest upside. Goldstein's averaging 106.8 across the last five rounds. Darcy just has him edged at 107.4. Uh, I think, yeah, Darcy's potential to burn you just seems higher than Goldstein, but Goldstein's obviously the safer pick. I think Darcy's more likely to miss a game or he's more likely to put in a poor game than Goldstein. Uh, if you're looking for consistent points every week, if you're the favorite in your league, for example, then Goldstein over Darcy. But if you're playing for overall, uh, I don't mind ro rolling the dice. I think I don't see him losing that to Goldstein by many points, but he could potentially put a stack on to Goldstein. So mm. I'd have him ahead. Do we know how long Ryder's out for? From what I heard on the weekend, it was short term. I don't know more than that. The injury report's not out yet, but I thought it was pretty short term, which if that's the case, like if, even if it's two, three weeks, um, I still wouldn't be going Marshall. Marshall's obviously proven himself to be way better when Ryder's not in the side uh, as a scoring option. But yeah, I don't think that it's long term. I guess if it was for the rest of the season, then all of a sudden Marshall becomes very, very relevant at 460. So what about my question, which was Goldstein or Darcy, who you've chosen versus Wits and Gorn? Hmm. So I have wits. It was pretty begrudging, but he looked like just clearly that top option at that stage when I brought him in, he was averaging 119.5. Since I brought him in, he's averaged 95. So I guess I'm a little bit burnt. The knock on him. Sorry, the 95 includes a 148 against Port Adelaide when they didn't have any Ruckmans. Yeah. So the knock on wits is he was only scoring well because he wasn't playing particularly tough opposition. And then he ran into tougher opposition and his scoring suffered. So my concern is that continues. He does play Brisbane this week. So is Big O going to be back? Uh, yeah, it was a COVID protocol. So I imagine that he'll be back this week. Um, he did score 143 against Brisbane earlier on in the year, then placed West Coast who... He scored 131 against early in the year, and I think McNatt's not in anymore. He scored 119 against Hawthorne earlier on in the year, although McAvoy's back. Uh, then plays Geelong, who probably fine to play against, and then finishes with North Melbourne, who he scored 117 against. So based on who he has to come and how he's gone against them so far this year, you would argue that he should be in similar calculations. I'm probably biased just because I've recently been burnt by him, but I probably have him pretty close to Goldstein. Like I do like that Goldstein has the ruck forward eligibility in a vacuum purely on points. I'd probably pick wits ahead of Goldstein. I, I agree with most of that. And the thing is that you're really looking for a ruckman that is a sole ruck and wits has that. So he has that as an advantage that at least he's going to be in the ruck all day. Goldstein probably has that now as well with Coleman Jones just rotating in a little bit. Uh, and then you look at Max Gorn, who has only posted unbelievably two scores over 100 in his last seven games. One of them was 198, but yeah, just two scores over 107 games from Max Gorn. I wonder, like, do you think he's maybe not 
a hundred percent right since coming back or it's just purely about the split that he's getting. Cause I think like Jackson still played a reasonable time up forward and I think he only played 70% time on ground. So Gorn definitely felt like he was still playing pretty heavy rock roll and like Port Adelaide still had the problem where they didn't have live setbacks. So they were playing like Dixon and it was who Witt scored 148 against. I mean, I didn't uh, have enough reception to watch the game on the weekend. They were playing at Alice Springs. So normally that doesn't exactly suit Rockman. Um, maybe he's got a good record up there though. Yeah, I, I can't really comment too much on that one. I, I He has struggled ever since he hurt his knee in round seven though. He's only had a couple of good games since then. So the ruck run home for Gorn is Bulldogs, English, Frio in Darcy, Collingwood. Uh, I think Grundy will be back by then. Carlton, I uh, don't know if Pitney is going to be back. Yeah, but... I think Pitney played VFL on the weekend. Yeah, and then Brisbane to finish with McInerney. So the ruck run Isn't for Gorn, it, it, yeah, isn't super either. So that plus form, I, I, like if you're in a spot where you have to take a risk, I mean – he could just punch out a 198 and have a huge game. He is that sort of player, but based on form and ruck opposition, I don't think he's in the same calculations as I'd have, yeah, Darcy, then Wits, then Goldstein, then Gorn, probably. Wow, that is insane to say that Gorn is our fourth ruck option at 550,000, but I think his upside is just so massive. I'd probably have him above Wits, but maybe that's just me hoping that Wits does terribly because you have me. <laughs> I feel like that's definitely it. I'm going to find that voodoo doll in your van and uh, take it out. It's not good. All right. This next question is from JB. Thoughts on the top six forwards heading into league finals. He sees this line as a real differentiator. Uh, is Goldie part of that mix? Can Cameron see that through? Will he be affected by Grundy? Uh, is Rosie a must-have? It's been a bit of a changing of the guard in the forward line, so very nice. much opens up the options that we have. Now, when I look at averages, there are uh, was it eight players averaging 100 plus, and that's with Goldstein sitting at 11th, Rosie sitting at 17th. I think that the relevant average to look at is the five-round average. And if you look at that, you've got five players averaging over 100 or 107 or over and about 12, 13 averaging 100 or above. Uh, and it's not the group that you would expect to be averaging the top. So... Bont and Libba. Libba's been way overperforming lately, but Bont you would expect to be in that group. Rosie has just completely turned his season around in the last um, couple of months. Dylan Moore, who you would never have picked at the start of the year, but I think is like a genuine forward premium at the moment. He's, he's had an unbelievable year. Himmelberg, who was just great for you, picked him up for like, what, 350 or something like that, maybe even less than that, has really turned it around is performing well and keeping up his consistency and doing really well. And then Cornelio, who has also completely turned it around with Goldstein seventh and uh, Bailey Smith eighth. That is a really, really different group than I think anticipated. So if you would have to pick a top six from here on out, how would you recast the net? You have to put Bont at one. You have to have, I think, Dunkley at two. I know he's he had an 80 and there was talks of him I think he missed the main session last week, so he might be a little bit injured, but I think he has to be right up there too. And Libra as well. So I think that they are probably top three. And then English has been underperforming a bit. I think I'd still back him to be in there with Parker. And then you've got Duncan, Bailey Smith, Cornelio, Rosie, 
if you're looking at top six, it's very hard to say who the sixth is. It's sort of like normally a group between five to eight or five to 10 that any of them could have a really good five weeks. Agree with being hard to pick. I think most of the dogs would still have up there, like you said, Bont, Libba, Dunkley, English, and Smith is probably the one that's the most questionable. Just the role that he plays, see some upside and downside. Yeah. Um, he had a pretty impressive game, but only scored the 91 despite looking probably more dominant. I think Stephen Cornelio probably needs to be up in those considerations as well, basically since round 10, calculating it last week. He was averaging like 120 or something, pretty close to that over that period. So I think he has to be right up there. And Himmelberg's low has been 95, 98, with sort of upsides of 132, one. 26, 187. So uh, I think that, that'd be my seven. The five Bulldogs, Himmelberg, Cornelio, probably put Smith at seven. And that means I dropped Parker out, which is sad because I have Parker and he's been yeah. a consistent gun, but his upside's probably not as high. Like 105 is good for him. Whereas I think all the other guys can probably average 110 more comfortably. Yeah. So Rosie, Dylan Moore, Goldstein, None of those, or Mitch Duncan, none of those guys get a run for you? Mm, it's a tough one. I think Rosie, as good as he's playing, is still potentially a little bit more prone to a low game. The question is how much, how, like how many 150-plus scores can he get? He's had two this year, one against West Coast and one against GWS. I think he's more likely to score within the 80 and 110 band. So it's hard to say with a 5 round sample size if he has one big score of 150 he's probably back in there but i think you know all the other guys that we talked about have a higher likelihood of having a huge game i think cornelio and himmelberg even probably more likely to have a 140 game than um rosie is like rosie needs to basically kick goals to be able to do that whereas there's some other players that probably just like get way more possession rack it up probably a little bit more than Rosie, who's a little bit more reliant on impact and therefore his variance is higher. Yeah. Um, if you're going to risk it, probably Rosie's a fine guy to risk. I think he could average between 100 and maybe even 120, pretty comfortable, 125, like over the next five games. Um, yeah. But like, I think the other guys were more likely to average 110 than he is. Yeah, I agree with that. <clears throat> My concern would be that None of the players that were mentioned are likely to be featuring the finals. So should that have some impact on our thinking? Like a player's going to be put off the pasture. Are they going to be performing at a less standard if they're not in that sort of 10 teams competing for a spot in the top eight? Yeah, it's interesting. I think like Port are going to be pushing for that and so are Bulldogs. I think Richmond losing and then Gold Coast not winning has really left that eighth spot pretty open to a wide amount of teams. Then the only other team that we've talked about that's not in that is GWS, and they've got arguably a coach trying to get himself into a position where he might secure a senior coaching role. So I'm not too concerned about that. Are you suggesting that might be a reason to look at maybe Luke Parker ahead of some of these guys? It was just something that during our conversation that really stood out to me that um, I know that you sort of got Port and Bulldogs who have been perennially competing for that spot, but have just been a little bit behind all season. And, and they, maybe the door has been open for them. But normally at this time of the year, we're really looking to get 
players in that you know are going to be playing seriously and competitively and trying to win every week. Um, and it wouldn't take many losses for a Port or a Bulldog sort of to be knocked out of the race. Yeah, all fair points. Don't think it would change my order though. And how insane is it that we potentially have the top five forwards that we were most confident in were all Bulldogs and it doesn't even include Trelaw, who was available as a forward. Like that is just out of this world and completely uncommon. Yeah, it's probably come at the expense of McRae a little bit, who was previously a 120 pluser. So in hindsight, maybe leaving him out could have been an interesting call, but he's still done well enough that he's a top eight mid. So I guess that's pretty wild to say even. There are definitely some weeks where the dogs have a poor game, like last week. And like, you've got four or five players and they've all done so much worse than you were hoping for them. And your, your weeks, I mean, I guess everyone's in the same boat, but it does feel bad some weeks, doesn't it? <laughs> okay. Yeah. If they have a big loss, you're in big trouble. Whereas uh, like the game against the Saints, if they have a big win, um, like CJ has lots of dogs and his team was completely set up from the Bulldogs having a big win. Mm. All right, next question. Lozmeister has one last upgrade to make. Luke Jackson to a ruck or to a forward? He has all the usual suspects. He's asked, how would you rank Gorn, Goldstein, Cameron, O'Brien, Darcy, Libba, Bailey Smith, Himmelberg, Rosie? But I guess the reason why I put this question here is tossing up between the rucks and the forwards. It's a lot harder to pick where you would actually go at the moment. Like we just talked about struggling to fit in all these forwards and a lot of them gain DPP status over the course of the year. So it's going to be interesting about how we think about that strategy in years forward and seeing how these lines have filled up. But in the rucks, we kind of had the opposite problem. We've had problems with injuries, problems with form consistency, and it's looking potentially like you're more likely to pick up uh, a reliable 110 average in the forward line than in the rucks at the moment, which is bananas. What do you reckon about picking one of these forwards ahead of Gorn, Goldstein types? Like, it's a really hard decision, and we've just gone through so many players that are doing really well. I think that if I had to pick two players that I'd be focusing on, it would be Goldstein and Bailey Smith. They're pretty much the same price, and I just think that they're upside of them too. So Goldstein, with the dual position, I think is is a really big advantage. And Bailey Smith now down to 5.30 with just the potential upside. Like over a five-week period, it might be tricky to pick for, for a season, especially sort of in the midfield. But over a five-week period as a forward, I don't mind just having a punt at him and hopefully he gets a couple of big games in that section. So they're the two guys that I'd be looking at. Yeah, I really like the Bailey Smith pick because you can tell he's playing with a point to prove and he was already in really good form without a point to prove. And he's just, he's an absolute jet. My question is though, if you already have four or five Bulldogs, is it wild to be punting on Smith as well? Like is the upside potential on him having a really hard finish? Like, is that lower than like the likelihood of capping your ceiling by bringing him in and then the Bulldogs petering out in the finish. Like they are sitting outside of the eight at the moment. You know, in terms of talking about top eight considerations, like you may not discount an individual player, but certainly picking five, six players from one team who may lose themselves that eighth spot on the run home seems like a risky proposition. They've got Melbourne this week, for example, right? Yeah. Uh, so I've got Bont McRae and Dunkley and English. So that's four. I think that going to the fifth 
isn't too bad, especially someone like Bailey Smith, because realistically, you've just got to pick the player that you think is going to average the most. And so I don't think that's too bad. But if you've already got Libba, then I think the ultra law, I think going to six is definitely too many. Melbourne, Geelong, Frio, the next three. Yeah, that's pretty horrible, isn't it? You'd say that the chances of them making the finals are pretty low with that draw. And with that said, they've come home strong in the past before, and they were grand finalists last year. Uh, I guess if Norton, I'm not sure what the status on him is, if he's back, potentially they are a chance to win a couple of those games, potentially. But yeah, I guess you are putting a lot of eggs in the basket of them staying finals rather than, and maybe Bailey Smith has some mental health problems or something. Like it, it, it is like a genuine risk at this stage that you think that he wants to pay back the club, but maybe the pressure just does get too much to him. And he's not able to actually perform in that way. That can happen. It was interesting that he only played 84% time on ground last week, whereas normally he's sort of up in the high 90s. Potentially that's a risk factor. I guess that would put me in potentially Goldstein basket. What about you? If it wasn't Bailey Smith, it would have been. So I think of the options he's listed, the highest one that I had was Sean Darcy. So I think Darcy versus the best forwards of that group. Like if he didn't have Dunkley, if he didn't have Bontempelli, like it'd make the thought experiment a little bit more interesting. Given the players that he's listed and the Bulldogs' upcoming run, I would have Himmelberg over like a fifth Bulldog in Libba, Smith, or taking Rosie. So it's Darcy or Himmelberg, and Darcy has better role security than Himmelberg. Like if Himmelberg played four quarters down back, I think he could average 115, but they throw him forward or into the rucks in the third or fourth quarter, and it's been happening quite a bit to my frustration. And so on that basis, I think I'd go with Darcy. But I hope I'm not just talking up my pick, but Himmelberg's been scoring (laughs) super reliably. (laughs) And there, there are quite a lot of defenders who are averaging... 110 plus yeah. Uh, and yeah he, he plays an intercepting and a rebounding role and takes kick out so uh, i think he he's actually surprisingly uh, like a pretty decent high scoring option yeah that sounds reasonable uh you pick two players from your own team i picked two players that i didn't have <laughs> Damn it, why'd you point that out uh okay uh next question from rich moore here's four trades left he's been planning for weeks to trade out Heaney and to swing English forward to bring in Gorn as Darcy as his number one ruck. And uh, he's wondering with the ruck spotting it up, does he forget about trying to bring in a probably Goldstein's the guy that we had sort of in this sort of equation or forget it and trade Crips to a Steel, a Brayshaw, a Walsh? Really interesting question. I, I think a few weeks ago it would have seemed obvious to potentially trade out Heaney to a Ruckman, but yeah, Crips have been so underperforming and the Ruck options don't look as appealing. Yeah, I was definitely expecting Crips to get better. And I think that I probably said on the show a month ago that I was expecting Pitney to come back maybe a bit quicker than he has and that that would free Crips up from having to play that second Ruck role. Maybe Carlton don't even bring Pitney back. I'm not totally sure. Deconing's been doing so well, they could just run Deconing and Crips as their Ruckman, um, and that would really continue to hold Crips back. I think that also you've got Heaney two weeks ago was underperforming, and then um, he's had a couple of good games, and Sydney have probably the best draw, and they're fighting for a final spot. So trading Heaney out 
does seem a bit unnecessary at this stage and you'd probably gain more from Crips to Steel or Walsh than you would from upgrading Heaney to anyone. Heaney's outperformed Gorn two weeks in a row. Like it's pretty hard to swap those guys right now. So at the moment, depending what you think Carlton will do with Pitney, I think that Crips to Walsh or Steel is probably the go. And I'm probably a few weeks late on giving in on Crips. I think we were probably in the camp where unless you had a heap of trades, you wouldn't trade Crips out. But I, I do remember talking about Crips being a luxury upgrade as being one of the potential uses if you had, you know, six plus trades, uh, especially when Steel bobbed his head up and his recent scoring hasn't done anything to dissuade that too much. The interesting part, I guess, is what is the trade boundary at this stage of the season? So I think with Rich, he's got 157k four trades. Uh, for our other listeners out there, if you're chasing, let's say, for overall rather than leagues, like if you're in a league situation, it's completely dependent on your league position, everything else. But for those going for overall, like what's the trade boundary where with five weeks to go, you would bother trading Crips up? And that's less around being certain that you're going to get enough points from the trade and more like a certainty around being unable to use the held trade in a meaningful way otherwise. Yeah. I think if I was going purely for overall, with four trades left, I would even be tempted to still get an upgrade in. So especially with a couple of rookies looking okay, you could bring in Jai Cully and then use that money to upgrade someone to a Steel Walsh kind of player. Whereas I, I like the position that the question asker was in that it was they had 157k already. I think that that is an easy situation where you probably use that upgrade in a lot of cases, even if you are playing for leagues. Otherwise, like I've got three trades left and my trades are purely to cover donuts. Yeah, I think three trades and I probably wouldn't be agitating for change. Next week, I would probably be thinking about potentially using the third trade with three rounds to go after next week's trade period. Four is just at that cusp where three trades for five rounds is heaps you might as well torch the fourth. So, but if you had four, like you said, you would be on the fence in terms of going all the way down to two. Would you be more likely or less likely to do that? I'd be more likely to do that. I'd, I'd be a bit more than on the fence. I think um, if I was purely going for overall, I'd be quite content to sit the last five weeks out with um, just two trades, doing an extra upgrade on my side. Oh, that's interesting. I guess I read that differently because you said you had three and you were... Uh, going to keep all three for is it a different situation because with your third trade you don't have cash in bank so yes you can't okay yeah so, so if you had three in cash in bank you would go to two this week if i'm going for purely overall yes if i had 150 to 200 000, yeah i could absolutely do that but um with three trades left i'm not going down to one with five weeks to go to do an upgrade yeah my my trades purely for donuts and that's especially from a league perspective and especially because i've got such a weak bench like i thought my bench was okay and i do have a premium on the bench but it's a very vulnerable bench if i had the wrong injuries in the wrong places yeah i have one premium covering all lines and the only other player to play was bazo <laughs> the rest is like straight donuts so i definitely resonate with you and can i just raise the other thing that we saw on the weekend which was and this is very hard to do any predicting about, which was 
the increase in health and safety protocols in the last few weeks. So there mm. does seem to have been an increase in COVID, especially across the Eastern states and more players missing games from health and safety. And potentially that's why we were given five extra trades is for winter and when COVID comes back and um, actually knock some of our players out. And it does worry me a lot that you're going to have multiple players missing one week with a weak bench, which if you don't have trades, that could put you in a really tricky situation where you're just going to be copying forced donuts. So I think that is something, it's obviously really hard to predict, but something that I am taking into consideration. Yep. Yep. Agree. I don't mind keeping a, a third trade, even if you can upgrade let's say you had cash in bags, like four going down to three to me makes sense. But if you had cash and you could go three down to two and still get an upgrade, I think I would probably at this stage be more on the hold than trade camp. Okay. I went down to two trades last week, but I needed to double trade in order to dodge a donut. And rather than side swap premiums, which I think like it was arguably a better call to side swap haul at that stage, but because I was going down to two trades, I preferred to side swap my bench play. So at least I was bringing in cover. Like I'm at the stage where I'm scrambling just to make sure that I have some sort of cover if I am trading. Otherwise I'm holding for donuts like you are. Maybe not as many teams were hit by this, but Rory Thompson still hasn't come back. I have Rioli and Clark. I'm one of those with Owens. I'm one of those with Hamilton, like Teagle, like... Uh, they feel like regular enough players. I don't know if everyone's hit by all of them, but my bench looks disgusting. Like it's as bad as it's ever been, really. <laughs> and now you only have two trades. <laughs> yes, Mark's got a really wide smile for all our listeners right now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's enough for the week. Thanks really, very much, mate. I think we, we miss you again next week, but then uh, the week after that, we might hear from you. Uh, yeah, that sounds right. I think I'll be covering about two and a half thousand Ks next week uh, on the road. For all our listeners, I'm currently in Darwin. It's 30 degrees every day. Winter up here. I know you guys are struggling through the cold. Uh, it's sweating. It's good. Nice. All right. And with that, we'll wish you all luck. I think it's the last round before we get into the final. So I might be talking a bit more league specific stuff moving forward, but good luck to everybody going for leagues. Otherwise, good luck for no more covid outs and with that we'll catch you next round see ya see you guys